Amazing worship. Amazing time in the presence. Wondering if I've... I, I don't think I've missed God. The title of my message tonight that I was going to be talking to you guys is The Power of Your Song. You know, every new season requires a new sound. something in the room that it is a new season for not just the body but I believe specifically for this region and this house and with every new season it requires a new sound every new season always has accompanied with it a very specific new sound that is a declaration that we've stepped into something new you see this in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Masses came around because 120 were praying for 10 days until what fire fell, wind blew. And everyone, the Bible says, gathered because of a sound they heard. <laughs> Get them, Lord. Get them, Lord. Kevin's drunk. Listen, if you're not okay with this, you're just going to have to be, get real okay with this because it's going to happen like popcorn tonight. When it does, we just move with ebbs and flows in and out. It does not make me uncomfortable at all. <laughs> in a prayer meeting in an upper room with 120, the scripture says that people gathered around. They came because they heard a sound. And Many translations interpret that, that they heard their own language being spoken, but that would not have been the reason that caused curiosity for them to come because Jerusalem was an international city. They would have been familiar with other languages and nations speaking their own tongue. They didn't come because they heard them speak their own language. They came because there was a sound in that upper room. There was a sound from that prayer meeting that begin to rumble and vibrate through the streets that awaken something in their heart that said, I've got to get there and find out what that thing's all about. I feel the frequency, the vibration of that sound, and I need to get there because it's doing something to me. There's a frequency in this room tonight that if you can tap into it, it'll cause your inner man to come alive. There's a frequency present. That frequency can deliver you of depression. 
It'll cause you to enter into the joy of the Lord. It'll cause you to put off that garment of heaviness and put on the garment of praise in replacement of it. It's, it's a sound that brings deliverance. It's a sound that brings healing. It's a sound that brings fresh anointings. It's a sound that brings breakthrough. Every new season requires a new sound. Here's our problem, though. Many times we are waiting for someone else to release that sound, not realizing we all have a part to play with that frequency. Every one of us. Get her, God. Wow. <laughs> you know what I call that? I call that a Jesus tickle. Isaiah 54, 1 through 5. I want to read this to you. By the end of tonight, I believe we've experienced the first just realm of that glory that's uh, here in the room. I believe there's going to be an opportunity for everyone to step into it. Everyone in this room. Isaiah 54, verse 1 through 5 says this. I want to read this to you. We can get that up there on the screen. Last night, forgive me, sound man in the back, I was talking to you, but I guess there's another secret room somewhere that they do it from. There it is. They've got it up there. So guys upstairs, pay attention to me. Isaiah 54, 1 through 5, it says this. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit nations, and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear. For you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. I share often, I think I shared it on a Sunday morning last time I was here, that one of the most powerful truths that we can get in all of the scripture is the revelation out of Colossians 2, which says Satan has been disarmed. He's been disarmed. The only thing he has to work with to defeat believers are lies. That's it. If truth sets you free, then that means it's lies that keep you bound. Colossians 2 tells me that at the cross of Calvary, Satan, all his principles had been disarmed. The weapons of their warfare have been stripped from them. He has nothing to work except for lies. That's it, lies. He has no power over you. He can only operate with power when you come into agreement with his lies. That's it. Your agreement with those lies will manifest 
certain activity in your life that is not from God. When we come out of agreement with those lies and we step into truth, then we operate into real, in real freedom. Most of our warfare doesn't have anything to do with waving flags and doing a Jer Jericho march and spraying oil all over everyone. <laughs> I know many of us over the years, we've driven stakes in the ground at the four corners of the city and every gate thinking that we've just occupied the enemy's territory. It's not how it's going to work. How it's going to work is when the body of Christ comes out of agreement with his lies. We come out of agreement with his lies. That's it. Most of our warfare has to do with coming out of agreement with the enemy's lies and into agreement with God's promises. Let me just read it to you. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Passion translation. I love how Brian Simmons writes this. He says this. He says, he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Now why do so many believers get stuck in depression and, and identity crisis? Because you're still stuck in the past thinking about all your regrets. Maybe they were even this morning when that delete button has been pressed. There is no account on, yours, on your shoulders any longer because of what Christ did. He pressed delete. It's not some there in a file and there's this secretary that can pull it up pull your file up and pull that old sin record no everything has been deleted he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved everything we once were in adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation this is where it gets real good then jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was their prisoner. See, he was not, excuse me. Thank you for correcting me. He was not their prisoner. They were his. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Do you know, I think that I'm going to go down this rabbit trail just for a minute, and I'll get back on track, I promise you. But I think it's just important to um, recognize this as we're talking about this particular scripture and the enemy being stripped away from all of his authority. I've often wondered, why would the Lord allow a serpent in the garden? That's not the right question. The right question is, if Adam had all dominion and power and authority over the garden, why did, allow, why did Adam allow the serpent in the garden? Let me take it a step further. Why would the Lord allow the enemy to roam around like a roaring lion for us to have to be on guard with? What if this, here's a thought, what if the enemy is still here on this earth and it's a part of his prison sentence? And you're actually the guard. What if you have so much more power and authority over the enemy because you're the guard? Not the other way around. You are actually the guard. And it's a part of his prison sentence that he would have to look at a son and a daughter that is made in the image of Almighty Yahweh. He would have to walk to and fro around this earth, and the only thing he can do is try to deceive the guard that he's not a guard. 
If I can whisper in the guard's ear and get him to believe that he really has no authority over me, even though I'm in prison. How foolish would that be if a guard in the natural was deceived by an inmate? Hey, you really don't work here. You don't work here at all. Matter of fact, this is all a delusion. That badge of authority that's on your chest means nothing. Those keys that you have that unlock things and lock things, they don't work. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. How funny it sounds, but it's true. I want to give you a key tonight that I believe is so pivotal. This is in the bones of our DNA at our church at the summit. And I, I feel it's in the bones and the DNA here. Because you guys are so much alike. Isaiah 54, we have a picture of a barren woman who cannot have a child, which would have been, in that day, a, a huge disgrace. Not like in our culture today. In that day, you were looked down upon. You were looked, honestly, and a lot of people looked like it would, it would, it would be a, a symbol in some of that culture that God was actually punishing you for some reason. And so this would have been a great disgrace. This woman would have been dealing with insecurity. This woman would be dealing with, with identity issues. This woman would be feeling not worthy. She would probably be battling depression. All kinds of thoughts in her mind. And Isaiah shows up, and he says this, Sing, O barren woman. This idea that we have this picture of a barren woman and God's remedy to her is singing and shouting in the face of her barrenness. Not do a 40-day fast. That has its place and those are good. Not, not waving flags and... No, all these things have their place. God said this. He said, you know what? I know you're struggling, honey. Daughter, I know you're in the pit, and I know you're in the valley, and I know you feel disgraceful, but I've got a remedy for you. I want you to look that thing in the face, and I want you just to sing to it. I want you to shout to it. Break forth in singing and cry aloud. It says sing. We all know what singing is. We, we did it tonight. It's, uh, some of us did really well. Others didn't. Others just didn't do it at all, but that's okay. We're going to get there tonight. Singing is uttering words or sounds in melody. But he doesn't just say sing, he says cry. He says this, I want you, sing, O barren woman, break forth into singing, and cry aloud. This word cry is not how we would interpret cry, like if you're sad, you would cry. This word cry here is the Hebraic word renah, which doesn't mean cry and sadness. I actually heard Bill Johnson talk about this one time. He said this word renah actually means this. It's a picture of a child shrieking with joy on Christmas morning, running down to open up presents. I'm so excited. I don't have words. It's just a shriek. It's a shrieking cry that comes out because I am so excited about what's about to happen. And this is what the Lord says to this woman to do in the face of her barrenness. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to sing to it. And not only sing to it, I want you to shriek with joy right in the face of that barrenness. All through scripture, I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture. We talked about this this morning. The scripture is full of commands, not suggestions. How many of you know that? 
For example, when the Bible says Psalm 47 and 1, clap your hands all ye people and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph, that's a command, not a suggestion. It doesn't say clap your hands all ye people and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph, except all ye introverts. I would dare to say God didn't even create an introvert. I would dare to say that your personality is not what God gave you. Oftentimes our personalities are framed by our upbringing, our surroundings. I have a personality of a strong alpha type A male because I am a firstborn son, a firstborn grandson, and I come from a father who's a type A. I come from a grandfather who's a type A. So I just didn't have a choice. My personality was framed a lot of by the world and my circumstances that I was in. God didn't give me that. God gave me something called an identity, which is different than a personality. And my identity says I'm more than a conqueror. My identity says I'm bold like a lion. So when it says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to the Lord, it doesn't excuse the introverts. It doesn't excuse the people that say, well, that's just not my personality. No, there's no room for your personality when it comes in direct conflict with your identity. God gave you an identity, and he's saying, if you'll clap your hands, and you'll shout, and you'll sing, and you'll cry aloud to the Lord in the face of your problems and issues, you will see breakthrough that will come into your life that you had not been able to get to yet. All through scripture, Psalm, David writes in Psalm 98 and 4, shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. There's a sound that comes from your vocal cords. But then there's a sound that comes from the well of your spirit. Both can sound the same, but one moves the soul, the other one from the deep, deep calls unto deep, will cause walls to come crumbling down. Deep calls unto deep, the scripture says. If deep calls unto deep, that means shallow calls unto shallow. That means soul can only minister to soul. Spirit, it takes spirit to reach spirit. So we need something more than just soulish preaching. We need something more than just emotional preaching. We need something that can get deep, that calls unto the deep within you, spirit to spirit. Because if all I have is soul that I'm ministering from, I can't get down to the deep in you and pull that out. But I hear the Lord saying, we're going deep tonight. Deep unto deep, glory unto glory. I hear the Lord saying, I am pulling some things out of the people in Windward Church that is going to shift them into this next season. The power of song has such an ability to bring your soul and your spirit into harmony and agreement with God. Singing is not, one, it's not the only vehicle of worship, but it's a primary one. Giving is also a vehicle that causes us to worship. Sacrifice, serving, these are vehicles of worship. Singing is one of the primary vehicles that enter us into the spirit realm and brings us in agreement with God's heart. I've got a lot of scriptures on that. Just for time's sake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move past that because I really want to move us into some activation in this tonight and let us experience the breakthrough that comes from what I'm talking about tonight. 
Watch this. It's even happening and having a great impact in the medical world. Singing is, is used to treat neuro, neurological issues, such as stuttering, Parkinson's disease, injuries acquired through trauma, even autism. Because singing alters neural pathways that enhances your overall neuroplasticity of the brain. Playing music in general is proven to have global effects on the brain, such as increased cognitive function, improved memory, and greater problem-solving and executing functions. This is medically proven. Singing has always been on God's heart as a form of worship to bring us in agreement with His plans. I, I, I love this because Paul understood this in his church planting endeavors. Paul would plant churches and then he would write letters to those churches with instructions on how those churches should function. Listen to what he tells the church of Ephesus. In Ephesians 5, 17 through 20, let me read this to you. I'm sorry, I didn't give you guys this one in the back, but Ephesians 5, 17 through 20, if you can whip it up real quick, great. If not, I'm just going to read it. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine as in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What is Paul saying? When you meet together, I don't want you just to talk to each other. I want you to sing over one another. He said, when you meet together... It's not the will of the Lord to be drunk with wine, but be where is in excess, but be full of the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know what I believe this practically looks like and what I think they really tapped into in the church of Ephesus? They would prophetically sing over one another. There's times we do this in our community where I'll, I'll stop the words, I'll tell my worship team, I'll say, it is, it's, a, it's time to... We're going to move in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs in the body. And our worship team will take the microphone and just start calling people out and singing the prophetic word over them. And I'm telling you, it's another dimension that pulls people into tremendous freedom. And this was normal in their culture. This was normal in the church of Ephesus. Paul's reminding them, be full of the Spirit. Be full of the Holy Ghost. Be full of the Spirit. And when you feel yourself overflowing, find those that need help in the body. Find those that are struggling and pull them aside and start singing the song of the Lord over their life. I've got a video I saw years ago that helped this. And I've asked these guys to throw it up. We're going to take a couple minutes and I'm going to let you guys see how this affects even in the medical world. I want to show you a video of a man who has major brain dysfunction and can barely speak, but when song is played, how he comes alive. Can, are you guys ready to throw that on? Can you do that? Can you guys do that? There we go. Is there? There we go. I have one resident that barely opened her eyes. She didn't respond. As much as I tried, I knew her for two years. No matter what I tried, massage wouldn't work, nothing worked. 
But when we got introduced to the iPods and the family told me the things that she liked, it was amazing once we put the iPod on her. She started shaking her feet. She started moving her, her head. Her son was just amazed. Okay, can we stop? Because now I'm getting all <laughs> I'm seeing her all over again. fun-loving, singing, you know, every occasion he would come out with a song, no matter where he was. I remember as a child, he used to walk us down the street, me and my brother, and he would stop and do singing in the rain. He would have us jumping and swinging around poles. He was, you know, he was good. He was always into music, you know, always loved singing, dancing. His name is Henry Drea. Uh-huh. And... I'm looking more or less for religious music for him. Okay. Because he enjoys music and he always quotes in the Bible. So I'd rather have that for him. We first see Henry inert, maybe depressed, unresponsive, and almost unalive. Henry. Yeah. Henry. Yes, yeah, sir. I found your music. Uh -huh. you, want, you want your music now? Well, not me. You want okay. me. Let's try your music, okay? And then you tell me if it's too loud or not. Then he is given an iPod containing, we know, his favorite music. <laughs> and immediately he, he lights up, his face assumes expression, his eyes open wide, he, uh, he starts to... Um, to sing and to rock and to move his arms, and he's being animated by the music. And he used to always sit on the unit with his head like this. He didn't really talk to much people. And then when I introduced the music to him, this is his, his reaction ever since. <laughs> Philosopher Kant once called music the quickening art, and Henry is being quickened, he's being brought to life. Yeah. I'm going to take the music for one second, okay? Just huh? to ask you a few questions. Okay? Thank you. I'm going to give it back to you. Uh huh. Okay. The effect of this doesn't stop, because when the, uh, the headphones are taken off, uh, Henry, normally mute and virtually unable to answer the simplest yes or no questions, is quite voluble. Henry? Yeah. Um, do you like the iPod? Do you like the music you're hearing? Yes. Tell me about your music. Well, I don't, I don't, don't, I don't have one. I mean, do you like music? Yeah, I'm crazy about music. You play beautiful music, beautiful sound. Did beautiful. you? Did you play music when you were? Uh, were you, did you like music when you were young? Yes, yes. I went to big dances and things. What was your favorite music when you were young? 
which is significant for you in something as big as a matchbox or, or whatever. And I think this, this, this may be very, very important in uh, helping to animate, organize, uh, and uh, bring a sense of identity back to people who are, who are out of it. Otherwise, music will bring them back into it, into their own personhood, their own memories, their own autobiographies. Could it be, you hit the lights, could it be that it wasn't just a prophetic act that God was saying through Isaiah to this barren woman? It wasn't just a prophetic act. Could it be that the Lord has a remedy for the church to step into legitimate breakthrough, healing, and deliverance through the power of your song and worship? I'm glad I got about 15 people that agreed with that. Isaiah tells this woman, look in the face of your barrenness and do the unthinkable. Shriek for joy. Sing and shout with laughter. Just as musical memory brings life to those with Alzheimer's and causes them to remember again. Remember who they are again. I believe today as you remember your song, those of you who also feel spiritually lost, you're going to find your way again. With every new season, there's always a new sound. There's people in this room, maybe you're dealing with some real stuff. Maybe you've got that doctor's report that just does not look good. Maybe you're dealing with trauma. Maybe you're dealing with heartache. Maybe you're dealing with relationship disconnection. Maybe you're dealing with things that are too deep to just come sometimes and just have the faith big enough to just believe that God can take it away getting hands laid on you. Here's a remedy that I want to give you tonight. Open your mouth. Look right in the face of that giant and begin to let your sound come rumbling from your inner man and let it pierce something. The Bible says it this way. Put off the garments of heaviness. 
Take off that garment of heaviness and put on the spirit of praise. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There's a remedy. It's an exchange that takes place in the spirit. I believe for this house, it's in the bones and DNA that there's going to be a sound that comes from this place that will rattle through this region that will cause dead bones to come alive. I want us to stand to our feet tonight. I felt like tonight was more of an inviting into instead of me preaching all night long, especially after what we were in in that worship. That was powerful. This is what I want us to do. I want you just to play for a minute before you sing anything. I want to give you an opportunity to let your sound in this room collectively come up towards the Lord. Come on, don't wait on a worship leader to leave you, lead you in. Come on. You be the worship leader of your own life right now.
for you he's coming straight for you and there's nothing you can do he's coming straight for you he's got his eye on you you're his beloved you're his beloved you're his beloved because it's a new season and it's a new song precious woman there ain't a single thing wrong cause it's a new season oh it's a new song oh precious woman there's not a single thing wrong cause it's a new season it's a new song Receive this song over you.
been contending for and it's been feeling like you've been bumping up against walls to not see the fruit the breakthrough that you've been asking the Lord for and discouragement has tried to come in a deep seat of discouragement in your heart but you've allowed praise to be your weapon and you have still stood in the face of those giants and you said I don't care what face face what I'm faced with I'm gonna be faithful to the Lord tonight he sees that faithfulness and I'm telling you I hear some walls crumbling down around you tonight breakthrough that you've been waiting on is here it's here it's here it's here it's here it's here come on just receive that it's here I see that cloud lifting I see that cloud lifting I see that wall crumbling it's for you Jesus says daughter I'm proud of you I'm pleased with your heart do it, Abba. Do it, Abba. Do it, Abba. Do it, Abba. Hey. I'm not going to attempt to sing that over you, but there you go. 
do something. I want to turn it over to the ministry team and Pastor Brent. I want us to, I, I just believe prophetically over this region. I've been, I've been sensing this all weekend that you guys are gatekeepers to unlock what Abba wants to do. This is a region historically with a prophetic edge. It's a region historically of generational revival. But the way I saw it uh, was like, you remember that story in the Bible where it said that the, the, the prophet was swinging an axe and he lost the axe head? I saw a picture of that story really for this region prophetically. That he was chopping and the axe head fell off and fell into the water and he ran to the prophet and he said, my father, it was borrowed. That prophet came and he threw a stick on the water and that axe head began to float to the surface. And it was a picture of restoration of what was lost. It's a picture prophetically for you that you don't have to swing the axe in the season and worry about it falling off because the axe is too dull to do what it's intended to do. I heard the Lord say, I'm sharpening your axe in this season. I'm sharpening and restoring your edge for Canada again. I'm restoring the edge that is going to be able to take down the intended things that need to be removed. I'm restoring what was lost. And I'm allowing it to supernaturally float right back to the top of the surface. And you're going to be able to recapture and reclaim. You're a gatekeeper. The Lord's restoring your edge tonight. And with that, every new season requires a new sound. So this is what we're going to do. All of us right now, on the count of three, we're going to do what Psalm 47, 1 says. On the count of three, it says this. Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to the Lord with the voice of triumph. One. Now I want you to prophetically see something falling. Two. I want you to believe God for your region experiencing a restored edge. Three. Clap your hands, all ye people. And shout to the Lord with a voice. It's going to be abnormal in this place. It will be abnormal in this room. In the days ahead, you will say to one another, when it's an off meeting that hasn't happened in nine, 10 months at a time where somebody leaves and they're still sick in their body, you're gonna look at one another and say, what was wrong? That has not happened in months. to be known in Western Canada as a place where hearts can be restored, souls can be mended and healed. You're going to be known as a place in Western Canada that broken bones will heal and mend. 
You're going to be known as a place in Western Canada that cancer cannot enter this room. It will flee people's bodies as they step on the property. Sickness-free zone. I even make declaration over the addiction in this region. Over those that are bound to heroin, methamphetamine, those that are dealing with fentanyl addictions. I say over you, there's a key of authority that Abba's giving you to be able to bind and loose, bind devils and release freedom. And I say over the spirit of addiction in this region, we arrest you tonight and we say this is a place where they can come find safety, refuge, and freedom in Jesus' name. How many of you in this room, how many of you in this room, oh, I feel this. How many of you in this room, you have a family member struggling with, with addiction? But being right. I am a living witness of someone that has been free from addiction. I was the first person in my entire family saved, full of the Holy Ghost. I wasn't okay with that after I had the revelation of God's goodness. Back in 2006, I began to pray for my younger brother, five years younger than me, who was bound in addiction, bound with cocaine addiction at the time, bound in alcoholism, bound in pills, prescriptions, anything he could get his hands on. I didn't live with him most of my life because of divided homes. He was five years younger, but I've made it a purpose to declare over him. We would have services, revival services. I would stop. I'd come down. I'd get some oil, and I would pour it on the chair in the front row, and I would say, my brother will be sitting right there. And I'd just get back up here and start preaching again like nothing would happen. I'd feel that unction. I would declare that's his chair. It belongs to him. One night I was praying in an all-night solitude prayer meeting. It was just me and the Lord, and I was calling his name out. The very next day, my wife and I were going to a conference at Christian International in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, close to where we lived at the time. He lived in Georgia. Hadn't talked to him in months. Driving to the meeting, I get a phone call, and it's my brother, and he's crying. He said, Chris, I don't know what's going on but I've been watching your life and I want what you have I'm ready to do whatever it takes and surrender I said where are you at I'll come get you right now thinking he's gonna say Georgia he said well I'm down here on the panhandle of Florida for spring break I'm in some city called Santa Rosa Beach I said, you have to be kidding. I'm in Santa Rosa Beach right now. I didn't even live in Santa Rosa Beach. I was just there for a conference. I said, I'm here right now. He goes, what? I said, yeah, where are you? He said, some road called 30A. I look up, 30A is the next intersection. I said, I'm right here, brother. I'm coming to get you. He directed me to the house. It was a mile from where I was when I got the phone call. He walked out of that house through his drugs, through his nicotine, through everything. He walked in in, in flip-flops in a bathing suit, no shirt on, got in the front seat of my truck, weeping, accepted Jesus in his life, and got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Right there. 
So we had to find him a shirt because I said, you're coming to the conference with us. An hour earlier, he was doing a line of cocaine. An hour later, he was saved in the, in full of the Holy Ghost, fully sober, standing at the altar, listening to a man named Lou Engle preach. We, my brother and I, touched in a group. Since then, we saw our younger sister saved, my mother saved, several cousins, several aunts, several uncles. I'm going to tell you something. I came to Abbotsford tonight to just remind somebody if he can do it for the Mathis household, he can do it for your household. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we just say over addiction in your family, it is arrested in Jesus' name. God has given me authority over that spirit because it's what I was bound to. I was preaching years ago in, in uh, what, it was, you guys don't have very many of these in Canada, but it's a holiness Pentecostal black church. I mean, with the organs and, you know, I mean, it, who preaching? They asked, I, I cut my teeth preaching in churches like that when I first got into the ministry. Had a Hammond B3. They don't know nothing about that. They don't know nothing about that. The pastor asked me first night of the revival meeting, it was a three-night three night revival, he said, can we just stop and pray for my, my younger sister? She's been addicted to crack cocaine for 25 years. I said, yes, we can. Before I got up to preach, we started praying. And have you ever prophesied and it came out of your mouth and then you thought, your thoughts caught up with your words? And I was like, what did I just say? That was a very bold, stupid statement. But it was the Spirit of the Lord speaking through me. I said, by this time tomorrow, she's going to be walking through the door. And everything will change in her life. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to be labeled as a false prophet. This is where the Lord started to teach me. You actually have authority in the area of what he delivered you from. To pull others out of that. That's why I said it last night. The man that lived in the tombs in the graveyard, naked, cutting himself. What did Jesus say? Go back to your friends. What kind of friends does a man have that lives in a graveyard, naked, cutting himself with rocks out? Probably some pretty messed up people. But he has authority because that's what Jesus brought him out of. Next night, service goes right in the middle of worship. In comes his skin and bone sister who's been addicted to crack cocaine for 20 years comes to the altar gets radically born again that woman that was 15 years ago she is still serving with him in that church i'm telling you there's some of you in this room that you haven't taken what he's delivered you from seriously there's an authority on your life You've been delivered from sexual perversion pull some people out of it there's an authority on your life you've been delivered of a lying spirit then pull some people out of it you've been delivered from alcoholism pull some people out of it there's an authority on your life there's keys that God has given this house for this region and I come to make declaration we're about to pull some people out of bondage in Western Canada come on if you believe that shout yes Look 
it at Pastor Brent. I don't know what to do after that. He just left me hanging. You, you, have, you have sons or daughters, family members, prodigals. Lift your hands again. I declare in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Jesus would send his word and they would be healed. I send the word of the Lord. I say healing and wholeness, freedom from addiction in the name of Jesus over every family represented. He can do it for my household. He can do it for yours. He can do it in my life. He can do it in yours. Amen. Why don't we have the altar team come up? Altar team, altar workers, why don't you guys come up? with my wife. I can't talk, honey. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't he good? How many, how many of you, you feel in the spirit that there's something moving this place into a new season? I'm not here week to week. All I know is what I hear, but I feel it's a new season and every new season requires a new sound. It, this, is, this is normal. Normal. And I know it isn't. This is normal. Waters are rising. Amen. Altar team is going to be here. They're going to be able to pray for you. If you need ministry, there's something about touching and agreeing. There's still, so I want to remind everyone what Kevin said earlier. There's something about sowing into this realm of glory also. There's something about sowing seed, believing God in glory on behalf of your family members. I don't say that to manipulate. I don't say that. I say that in the fear of the Lord. There's something about believing God and saying, God, I'm coming with an act of worship on their behalf, and I am making a demand. And I'm saying, God, your word says that my household shall be saved and sowing into good ground that God has entrusted in right environments. Listen, good ground and good, so good soil and good seed is not enough. We've heard it preached for years. Good seed and a good soil, it'll produce good harvest. Wrong. Well, partial truth, let me say it that way. I can take an orange seed that grows in the sandy soil of Florida and bring it up to Alberta and plant it in the good, rich, nutritious soil of Alberta and that orange seed will not grow. You wanna know why? Because it's not just about the seed and it's not just about the soil, it's about the environment. And you've got to have an environment that is conducive for that seed to do what it's supposed to do. To grow in fruitfulness. And there's an environment tonight. I feel it in the spirit. There's an environment. I know we took up an offering. I'm not taking up another one. But, but I feel like there's faith to believe God for the impossible. And he that has an ear to hear, if the Lord is speaking to you, make sure you do that tonight. Don't miss that opportunity. Amen? Who am I giving it to? Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Christian. Come on, let's give him a hand.